glad to be here. And um, I, I love what God's doing. You can sense the presence of the Lord in this place, and I'm really, really thankful. I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, I went to a Methodist church, and if you're a Methodist or grew up Methodist, I, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I grew up in a Methodist church, and when I, when I was 13, my father gave me the choice of whether or not I could, I could go or I could not go. And I opted out at that point in time. Now, that was a silly thing for my father to do. Do you trust 13-year-olds with anything? And if you're a 13-year-old, don't take that personally. You'll get smart one of these days, but you're not there yet, okay? So, but but I, I didn't even know what a relationship with Jesus was until I came to faith a couple of years later. And so, for me, um, I, that was just a, a, a glorious and wonderful thing. I told the first service at 8 o'clock this morning, and this will date me, but I love Luby's. Okay, anybody know where Luby's is? There is one on 290. I have not yet eaten there because my wife refuses. She says that it would say something about our age if, I ate, if we ate at Luby's. And I, so yeah, I, I had several people in the first service at 8 say, we're going today, you want to go with us? And I go, I think my wife would like to see me, and so I probably need to go home. And, uh, but I love Luby's because I love, they have all the things that will be in heaven, okay? They have jello, they have carrot and raisin salad. Do y'all know what that is? Hey, if the best carrot and raisin salad in town is at Taste of Texas. I just want to tell you, if you just go there because it's so expensive, but just go there and get the salad bar, that, that is like heaven to me, okay? Carrot and raisin salad, they have cucumber salad, they have all the good things which does make me old, okay? But I love places you go where you have lots and lots of choices. Now, some of you are going, man, that's not my deal. You know, I like a small menu. I like few choices because lots of things, you know, especially if you're hungry, you're going, I want one of those, and I want one of those, and I want one of those. But one of the things I love about the gospel is that God has given us a choice. And when I came to faith when I was in high school, that was one of the things that was was all new to me, that you get to choose, you know, that you get to choose, you know, if I could, and, and all of us like choosing, I told Avery watching that video from, from Kenya, if, unless something's wrong with your heart, you probably, and I asked him, did you want to take any of those kids home with you, and I've been on trips before, and my wife has told me before I leave, if you bring anybody home with you, one of those kids, and not like that, any of those beautiful kids, could you please at least call me to tell me that y'all are coming, okay? But, you know, the one, the one thing with that is which one do you choose? I mean, if you can only bring five, how do you do that? But we all love choices. I mean, that's one of the things. Churches love choices. We like to be able to go to the service the time we want to go to. Some of you are not morning people, and the thought of eight o'clock that just doesn't register, register with you. And, and you're probably, probably pretty certain that the Holy Spirit hasn't even woken up by 8 o'clock. Because you certainly haven't, okay? By the way, the Holy Spirit's well awake at 8, okay? Well awake at 8. But we love choices. And so, you know, I don't know a whole lot of stuff. And I, I've lived a long, long time. And the, really, the longer I live, the less I think I know. And the things that I was certain of, you know, some of the stuff that I was certain of, uh, I, I'm... I'm I'm mostly solid about it, but I, I just thought, you know, I, like people have really disappointed me. People that I've known who were walking with Jesus and who loved Jesus madly and somehow they've just fallen off the truck. But 
I don't know a whole lot of things, but I know three things this morning that you and I get to choose, and I like that. I like that. About Christianity and about the claims of Christ on your life, you and I get to choose. The second thing I know is that your choices can change your life, can't they? Like when I married my wife, that changed my life. And not, not just because she's really pretty. I, the residents saw her the other night. We were at a, a gathering on Friday night. And three of the residents asked me how in the world I got her to marry me. And I go, you know what I'm thinking right now? How in the world did I pick you to be a resident, to work here? Because you should not say something like that to the hand that feeds you. Okay? But I know that our choices can change our life. I didn't grow up, my family was pretty dysfunctional. In fact, I've said before that we would put the fun in dysfunction, except it wasn't very much fun. But I met Kelly's family, and it changed my life. Her dad was very affectionate to her mother. In fact, I saw him do something. I can't mention what it is here, because we're in church. But he did something to affectionately tap her somewhere, you can imagine. And uh, he tapped her, and I asked Kelly, what in the world was that? And she goes, I think they like each other. And I said, I've never seen my father do that in my entire life. They were affectionate, and, and they, it was amazing. So I got, I when I chose Kelly, I chose to get in this family, and her dad was amazing. I, the first time I ever met him, he, had a, he was in full uniform, HPD, Houston Police Department, with a gun on. And that night when I met him, he told me that he always had a loaded weapon. And he didn't say, like, in a threatening kind of way. It was just, hey, John, just for the record, always carry a loaded weapon with me, just in case you're wondering. And I've never wondered, okay? I, I didn't wonder. He just went to be with Jesus about three years ago, but I've never wondered. Your choices can change your life. And then the last thing is that you are the fruit of your choices. I told the 8 o'clock service, I said that to my son a long time. My son went through something terrible and traumatic that we didn't know about for almost 20 years. And because of it, he just started acting out and doing some really weird things that were totally not, it's kind of like, do y'all have any kids that you're going, where did you come from? Maybe you're an alien and we just got you somewhere, somehow it made it. But my son made some poor choices. Uh, he, had, he, was, he was abused when he was a kid by somebody that we knew very well. And, but he, he continued to kind of do this. And as he was growing up, when he got to be a teenager and even older than that, he used to say that I have to learn by my own mistakes. And you all know what the Bible tells, calls that? A foolish man. I would say fool, but that seems really harsh. And then I'd tell Justin, Justin, wise men learn from other people's mistakes. That's why we love to watch YouTube, right? <laughs> all of you watch YouTube and you see people that do dumb things or fall off of places or hurt themselves. And they do it intentionally which tells you the world has completely gone nuts. But you are the fruit of your choices. So I love this verse, and my verse for this summer is, for God so loved the world, it's a, it's a verse that's very familiar to you, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For In verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, or to point a finger at the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, again, choice. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Martin Luther called John 3.16 the miniature gospel. And out of, it's one of the most famous, most memorized verses. Most of you in this room, do you have that memorized? You do, don't you? Because it's powerful. And some of y'all are going, man, this is going to be hard because 
this is a verse we all know. Why don't you preach a verse we don't? And, and I could have, but, but this verse is profound. And these four verses that are found together are profound. So in packed in this verse, the greatest realities in the universe exist. God and love and the world and Jesus, the Son of God, and faith and perishing forever or living forever. And whomever, just that anybody gets to come. And I just want to say to you, maybe you're here this morning, and because of something that happened, like I didn't grow up with a great dad, and so it was really, really hard for me to think about a loving father. I think my dad tried, but he, was in a, he grew up in a terrible family. And it was just an angry household. And guess what he became? He became angry. And I think for all of you in this room, some of you are still blaming the angry household, and you knew better. And you know better now. But my dad grew up in that angry household. And the deal is, one of the things that was new to me is that God's motivation toward everyone in this room is love. It's love. God's motivation, his singular one and only motivation, he's in love with you. And the world is so distorted. And they even say to people that God really doesn't love you. He wouldn't let this happen if he loved you. That is wrong. Do y'all know that we as humanity are screwed up? Right? I mean, we can mess just about everything up. We can, we can distort and destroy, and then we blame it on somebody else. I mean, that's the world as we live in it today. But God's motivation toward you is love. His love is not limited. The whole world, anyone, everyone, no one is excluded. No one is excluded. I remember we had a, we had a neighbor in, up in McKinney, and, and she was married. She was, she was a homosexual. And she was, she was a dear, dear friend. They came to our house quite often. And she goes, you and I both know what I'm doing. How in the world could God love me? I go, because when he loves you, he sees the one he created. And he's crazy about you. And she goes, I just have, I have a hard time imagining that. I go, because you've never seen it. But here's the deal. God's love is, is not, there's no one excluded and so it was really beautiful to say to her, to, to her, her name was Jenny, and I'm saying, God is crazy about you, Jenny. He's not crazy about what you're doing, but he's crazy about you. He's not crazy about what John's doing a lot of the time, but he's crazy about John. And when you get that in your head, and then God's love was expressed in giving, he gave. You know, I had a friend of mine, I don't know, any of y'all remember junior high? Did y'all ever have a crush on anybody? Did you write... Did you write it on your hand? Or do they still have books? Do y'all still have books? Or you just have laptops? Do y'all have books? Do you really? Even in college, do you have books? Very few, huh? I mean, books are so old school, right? Did you ever write someone's name on your hand or on a book when you were having a crush when you were in junior high or maybe in grade school? I don't know. Uh, or, you know, and ladies, admit this, okay? Did you ever mark one out and write another one on the very same day? <laughs> but one of my buddies said this, and I, I quote it all the time, is that God has a crush on you that he never gets over. I want you to let that, I mean, if it was a shower, I'd love for you just to sit there and just take it in. God has a crush on you that he never gets over. And some of y'all are going, oh, if you only knew me. And I would say the same thing to you if you only knew me. But see, God's crush on you is not dependent on you. It's dependent on him. God's love is a promise. 
It is unconditional. It's universal. It is eternal. Y'all may have heard the story from Max Lucado. There was a mother, a single mom, who was raising a daughter. And uh, she lived outside the city, but where they lived, you could see the city lights from a distance. And she knew that her daughter would always be drawn to those city lights. And at some point in time, her daughter decided, it's time for me to go. And she ran away from home. And she went into the big city. And you probably know the story. She, she, the city didn't treat her well. And there were probably things that she did when she got there that she never dreamed in a million years she would do. And her mother decides, I'm going to go get my daughter. And she goes, and you know those places where you can go get, you can go to CVS or something like that, and you get 50 pictures really cheap? She went and got 50 pictures of her daughter, and, and she took them with her, and she went into the big city, and she started to ask, ask the father, God, where in the world could my daughter be, and can you point me to her? Can you do what only God can do? Can you point me to her? And she would leave these pictures, and she had a message on the back of every single one. And the message on the back of every single one is this, that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've become. Please come home. And for all of you in this room, home is with Jesus. I'm telling you, it's, it's the best place ever. It's the place that you can go, and he will not, he will love you back into fellowship. He will love you back into fellowship. When God loves, he loves the whole world. That verse says it. And when God gives, he gives his one and only son. In fact, one of the translations says he gives his one of a kind son. And he is one of a kind. And some of y'all are thinking, well, God, he's not like that to me. And there's a great verse in the the Psalms, on Psalm 30, it says, God, and I love this verse. It says God gets angry with us once in a while. But across a lifetime, there's only love. Don't you love that? You ever gotten angry at your kids? Like you wanted to maybe end their life? That kind of angry? Or at least you thought about what life would be like without them? Or maybe you're doing the world a favor by just taking them out right now. God never thinks that about you. It says he gets angry once in a while. He gets disappointed in us. And you know what I think he's always yelling at us? There is something so why in the world are you living down there? Why in the world are you living like that? That's God. One of the cool things, I, I've been married to my wife for 43 years. And she's amazing. And the residents are right. And when people see her, I've had people ask me if she was my daughter, which is embarrassing, okay? If I had hair, they would not do that, okay? <laughs> but clearly, I don't. I've asked several of you this morning if you would do my hair for me. And a couple of you said, there's not enough time. And so, um, but my wife knows everything about me, and she stays. The Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence, Jesus, the one and only Son of God, he knows everything about you, and he is not going anywhere. He stays. And so please don't give him qualities that he does not have. In, in the Amplified Version, that verse reads like this, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. Put your name in there. God so greatly loved and dearly prized you that he even gave his one and only begotten son 
so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes. And the deal here is, and the reason why I'm standing up here is that some won't believe. Y'all know that, right? Some are just not going to believe. And so some won't. And, and to believe means to embrace something as true. To believe means to embrace something as true. When some of you got married and you were, at, you were at the altar, would you have liked it if whoever your mate was, if when the pastor said, uh, and do you take this woman to be your whatever, or do you take this man, what if, would you be okay if they said, well, I'm having some second thoughts. Would, you, would that be a good day? Probably not. And like you did, that's where you're going, I'm going to end your life right now, okay? Because you're walking out of here dead, or you better get, you get better figure out what you need to do to say the right thing here. I do. I am. But I, I, to, I, I believe in something as true. I, I mean it. it. It means to trust God to be what he is and to do what he says. Believe means to become guilty of something. Uh, any cowboy fans in here? Huh? Y'all are. Y'all are amazing, okay? 27 years of mediocrity, okay? Now, please hear me. I'm not a Texans fan because I left town before, right as the Texans were getting started. My, I'm the Oilers, but you know they're, more, they're no more. They're the Titans now. I'm aware. Okay, but I lived in, in Dallas for 18 years. And you know what? I would never have worn in 18 years. And people actually bought me gear from the Cowboys. You know why I didn't wear it? I don't believe in the Cowboys, okay? I don't mean that mean, and I'm really happy for you that you believe in. You, God bless you, okay? Because, man, you have been following mediocrity for 27 years, okay? And Jerry Jones is like his own soap opera. And I listen to a station in Dallas still to this very day, and they just make fun of him all the time because there's so much to make fun of. But I'm not a Cowboy fan because I don't believe in them. And I'm certainly, if I don't believe in him, I'm certainly not going to put a jersey on that says I am. I went to a cowboy game. Guess what I didn't wear? A cowboy jersey. There's a place up in Dallas, north of Dallas, called Salina. Y'all ever heard of that place? It is the high school capital football of the world. It's like a 2A or a 3A school. But if you go to the game, everybody has to wear the colors. In fact, we went there, and this sweet lady picked, caught me and Kelly. We were meeting some friends there. And she said, honey are you with us? And I said, yes, well, I'm with some friends that are with you. And she goes, no, you're not, honey. You're not with us yet. And so she took me underneath the stands, and she put their colors on, and they're like, uh, they're like Syracuse orange, like really bright orange, Denver orange. And so she said, now you can go into the stadium, because now you believe. Now, putting a jersey on doesn't make you a believer, right? I mean, I could put a cowboy jersey on now, and you wouldn't believe me, would you? You'd be going, he's not one of us. And you're right, okay? I'm not. All righty? God bless you. Okay? But here's the deal. To believe means to become guilty of something. And I want to ask you this morning, have you become guilty of being a follower of Jesus? I'm not talking about saying words. I'm not even necessarily talking about praying a prayer. Because sometimes we mistake that. Because maybe the attitude of our hearts are not right. Or, you know, like uh, maybe you pray. I prayed a prayer in seminary. God, I didn't study, but please give me the answers. Okay? I didn't believe enough to study it. I didn't take the time to do it. So become guilty of something. To receive it means to take it as your own. Never the same again. It means to, to trust means to be affected by something. 
And one of the problems that I see in, in, the, in the church of our day is that we, we claim a religion that we are not in a, in a relationship with Jesus that doesn't affect us. And that's called an imposter. We claim a relationship that doesn't affect us, that doesn't affect our daily lives. The reason why I left the church that my parents grew up in is the people at the church, what they espoused on Sunday in the hymns that they sang and the words that they sang and the stuff they said even out in the, out in the atrium or whatever you call it. They, they, it didn't affect them. There was no difference. And so, folks, I just want to say this morning, the God of heaven is not pointing a finger at you. The Bible clearly says in John 3, 16 and 17, He is not condemning you. In fact, He came to, to give you a way out to, to help you. To help you. He came to help you, to put the world right again. One of the translations says it like that. But the verse goes, it says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Whoever does not believe has not become guilty of following Jesus, has not embraced something as true, has not trusted Jesus to be what he says he is and, and do what he says he did. The line is not fuzzy. The line is not fuzzy. And I just want to ask you this morning, which side are you on? Which side is your life screaming that you're on? One of the great, I have two great motivations in my life today. And, and I'm about to reach the age of Medicare. And I just found out that I've got to, I've got to register the first three months or I'm, I'm toast. And, uh, and I will do it quietly when the residents are not around me because they'll make fun of me. And listen, I'm so old. You know, one of the cool things about getting old, you quit caring about a lot of things, especially about what people think about you. Because you know people and you're going, you're as crazy as I am. Why am I going to get all upset over this? All of us are crazy. Y'all know that, right? Just, just a little bit, right? You know you are. Okay? Ask your mate. Ask your children. But here's the deal. The two great cries of my life are the reason why, and I'm telling you, I've never been more sensitive to this in my life, that the people that I meet in restaurants and at the grocery store and the, my neighbors, we were at my neighbor's house last night. This afternoon we're going to something that, again, I'm, this is conf true confession time. We're going to a 55 and older gathering in my neighborhood, which I've been a youth minister uh, for 25 years of my life. And one, I will confess to you that I have never been in a class, a life group of people my age in my entire life. And I will also confess to you that I am not going to start now. Okay? And it's not because some of y'all are going, hey, go look in the mirror, dude. Okay? No, it's just, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure I can. Now, please hear me. I'm not too proud. I took a senior discount the other day at some place, and it was, it was cool. Okay? Here's the two cries of my life with my neighbors this afternoon and last night and the people that I meet in the restaurants and the grocery store and everything else. The one thing I do know about them is everybody that I meet is going to spend eternity somewhere. And I, listen, you may not think that, but every single person you see, every single person you're around, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And you better care. And the second great concern of my life is that there are people in the church, in the church, that come every Sunday. And they've never believed, they've never come to a place of trust where it affected their lives. 
like my parents that I grew up with and took me to church every Sunday. My mother says she took me from the womb up. The faith that they held, and I'm not sure, it may have been a faith in a church or it may have been a faith in something else, but the faith that they held didn't affect their lives. And so one of the things, I just, I'm, I'm just scared that people that think, well, I go to church and, you know, I think I'm a Christian. But if you've not believed and you've not trusted and you've not repented, you did not come to faith. The Bible is very clear about that. You know, one of my, I can't remember, it was an author, but he said that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And it's true. And so just this morning, you know, the, the, everyone's going to live forever. Perish, the word perish is not a, it's not a neutral word. It's the alternative to eternal life. So if you perish, you don't get eternal life. Good people do not go to heaven. I think the people that I, when I was a kid, I think those were somewhat good people. But good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. And so I want to ask you this morning as we close. You know, there's, um, there's so many in America that say they're born again, but again, their lives have not been affected by the truth of Jesus. You know, that passage goes on to say that men love the darkness. You know why we like the darkness? Because it hides stuff. It hides stuff. And it, have you not noticed that our country is getting a wee bit darker and darker every day? And, and many people who claim to be born again, they're just not. And please hear me. Don't leave here going, that preacher was looking at me or pointing a finger at me. I don't know most of you. And if anybody's pointing a finger at, me, at you, it's probably God because he would just say, man, could you just stop this? Quit playing. Why don't you choose to become affected by me and really believe in me, become guilty of following me. Trust me. Trust me to be who I said I was and to do what I said I was going to do because he has. And then repent. God, I'm a sinner. And I've been playing games. And like I say, the cry of my heart in the church is, could we just stop playing games? Could we just, I mean, ask your kids. You know, God, the Bible in in 2 Peter 3, it says, God is not slow, as some consider slowness. But he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. You know, I have a friend in, in England. I was with her the other day. And her husband's come to faith. And I love this girl. I love her family. She has a son. He's amazing. But she has not come to faith yet. And I saw her, and I've talked to her about the gospel, and other people have talked to her about the gospel. She listens to our, she watches our North Klein service fairly regularly. And uh, from England. And she just, I just said, are you ready? And she said, man, I'm just not ready. I just need to wait. And I'm going, all I told her was, hey, there is a point where you wait until it's too late. And that is not to scare you to death. I was, I, I was in some of those evangelistic services 30 years ago where people try to scare the devil out of you or the hell out of you or whatever. And John 3.16 is somebody trying to say to you, 
I have a crush on you that I never get over and quit playing games. Quit playing games. And so I just ask you this morning, uh, be careful. My little granddaughter, uh, her name's Emerson, and we have a wall on our house. I'll be honest with you, my wife had it up for about, I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks before I even noticed it. Because it's coming in from the garage, and I don't come in from the garage very often, and I'm really not in that hallway that much. And it's so dang hot outside, I don't go into the garage for anything except for my mower. And, and then I just am hating living in Houston and the heat and the humidity. But my, my little granddaughter saw it the other day, and she's just recently come to faith. But about a month ago, she, she saw all those crosses, and she's, she told Kelly, she said, my wife, the one that I don't belong with, she told Kelly, hey, she calls her Kiki. She said, Kiki, you must love Jesus an awful lot. And I want to tell you something. That's really beautiful out of a nine-year-old girl. And having a wall of crosses is really beautiful. And it is powerful. And you sit in that hallway, and I've done it a couple times now that I've noticed that it's there. And I've said, man, that's stunning. But the deal is, a wall of crosses does not make you a Christian. Repenting, believing, trusting. That's what makes you a Christian. And so that you live and you act and you talk and you believe like Jesus. Uh, there, was a, there was a lady at, our, at the church last week that came to faith. Her name was Fernanda. And she talked about how she used to play games. And so I asked you this question. What have you done in response to the great love of Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever may believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We love that first part of the verse, but we don't listen to the last part. What have you done in response to the great love of Jesus? And here's what Jesus wants, and I know this to be true, and it's very simple. But, you know, one of the things that we want, one of the guys that I think Laurie may know, a guy named Tommy Hill, do you remember him? One of my guys that was in my youth ministry, his name's Tommy Hill. And he's so deaf, he was, a, he was really smart, but he was kind of a poster child for a nerd commercial, Okay? That's supposed to be funny, okay? He just—he was—he was just a goofy-looking, smart guy. He had wore black glasses, and uh, he wanted to be loved by a girl more than he wanted to breathe. And he's like 26 or 27 years old. He used to sleep on our couch at our house so much that it had his indentation in the couch. And uh, I just said, Tommy, and he loved Jesus badly. I said, Tommy, here's the deal: chase God don't chase a woman because women are terrible to chase and they can break your heart and several of them did he would always buy them gifts early which scared them and broke and then they broke his heart and then the last one he bought a $1,500 set of pearls after two weeks I go let me go get the pearls and let's get over with this thing okay not for myself I'm not a pearl wearer okay y'all relax here's the deal you know Tommy, and th this is an earthly story, hopefully with a heavenly meaning. But what Tommy didn't realize, he wanted, all he wanted was a woman to love him back. Which, heck, all of us want to be loved, don't you? Everybody in here, anybody in here not want to be loved? We do. And here's the deal. God loves you. And he just wants you to love him back. Hey, the good part of the story is, Tommy had all these girls, and there were probably eight or nine of them. And he finally got to a place, I remember he came over to house and he goes, I'm going to quit chasing women. And I'm going, that is the best news I've heard in a year, Tommy. 
I'm going to quit chasing women. And I'm just going to chase Jesus. And I go, that's a good thing too. And then he went on a mission trip to Haiti. And he calls me from Haiti and he said, I met her. I met her. And I'm going, Tommy, you've met her 11 times, bro. Come on, give me a break here. No, he met her. She was her. And this girl loved him back. And this is not a sign of love, but they have 11 children now, okay? Men, don't you dare go home and tell your wife. We need to have some more kids, okay? If you were having them, you can do that. But since you're not, keep your mouth shut, okay? But all that Tommy wanted was somebody to love him back. You know that all Jesus wants from you is to love him back. Not play games, not pretend, not learn the lingo, because the church has a lingo, just to love him back. So we're going to have a time of invitation in a minute. And if if you've been playing, you know, and this is a terrible word, if you've been a fraud, a pretender, maybe that's what you need to confess this morning. And the tragedy would be that you were sitting here listening to this every Sunday and you didn't do anything about it because you were worried about what these other people would think. That you've been in the church this whole time and you never believed and trusted and repented. But this morning you could. And so let me pray for us and then we're going to have a time of invitation. Father in heaven, we love you this morning. We thank you so much that you're so good to us, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a crush on us that you never get over. Lord, we all want to be loved, and you have. That All of us want to be loved, and you've done that. You took care of that, God. We, we don't. The greatest love, you took care of that, God, and what you want us to do is love you back, and we do that by believing and trusting and repenting. And so, God, would you cause some folks right now by your Holy Spirit to do what we cannot cause them to do, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to talk to somebody this morning, the minister's going to be downstairs. Bless you. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.